0: Alex, and this is the Northern Guide to Happiness. Welcome to episode 10. As always, I'm here in our virtual studio with the rest of the podcast team, Kath and Chris. Hello.
1: Hi. Hello. <laughs>
0: Hello. How are you?
1: <laughs> Tippity-top. Thank you very much. I've
2: T-t-t-top. had a run-in run with a runner bean today. A run-in with a runner what? bean? What? Who won? Well, two runner beans, actually. <laughs> two. Did they chase you down the street? <laughs> no, no, they've been installed in my garden.
1: Ooh. Hello
2: with uh, suitable f- structures to hold them up as and when they start to run so I'll keep you updated to start the call.
0: Nice yeah. please do they do yeah. they get nice flowers on them yes. before they turn into That's the only reason beans. they're there yes they match the colour scheme <laughs> you see, <so. laughs> They're in the red corner. <laughs> Keep us posted with the uh, the runner beans there. Yeah, that yeah. sounds good. What about you, Chris?
1: Oh, it's been an interesting week. I've, I found some interesting stuff down the back of the digital sofa in our okay. in our house. Well, I've been um trying to sort of tart up my laptop a little bit. I discovered this old um, hard drive, which has been sitting around for a while. Um, and when I looked inside it, it's got all the videos that I took of my kids Um, from sort of about from the time when my parents son was born. Um, oh. So um, whenever it was that like, I stopped doing it, <laughs> which I'm so relieved about because I spent hours and hours and hours, particularly when um, our daughter was born um, back in 2004, making all these really kind of swish videos of stuff. Every, every <laughs> little moment, um, well, every little thing keen she did. When
0: we to do stuff like that. Oh
1: yeah. And then bless him, <laughs> Daniel came along. And by oh. that point, I got so sick of doing video editing that there's very little uh, that we've got on record for Daniel, but I've now found it. I found so the raw material. tell him
2: that.
1: Oh, no, he knows. He knows.
2: Aww. Oh. So, uh,
1: so now, now I get to kind of make, make Daniel's sizzle reel, uh, nice. which uh, is gonna take up oh, hours of my time, but I'm really looking forward to kind of getting stuck in and it'll be a real trip down Amnesia Lane.
0: Do you know what? I've got so many videos, photos in so many different locations, and it's one of it's one of those jobs that you think, right? I'll I'll sort out my archive of photos, yeah. yeah. And then you start, and then you realise what a mammoth mm. <laughs> task it is. But uh, I will get on it. <laughs>
1: <at some laughs> you <point>. better. <laughs> mm.
0: Well, that sounds great, Chris. Mm. Um, I saw dolphins at the <gasps> coast. I know. I was Real at Seaton Sluice. Yeah, really? I was at oh. Seton Sluice with the uh, girls at the weekend, and um, they were quite far away, but mm-hmm. we definitely saw them doing that jumping thing that they do. Um, oh, it was great. Yeah, really good to see Fantastic. them. Fantastic. I'd never seen them before on the northeast coast, but uh, apparently they like hanging around Newbiggin by the sea. So I think that's one of the good places to go and spot them. Okay. Um, but yeah, fabulous. Oh, it was lovely to see them. But the girls were yeah. thrilled. They were well. They kind of weren't as bothered as I was. I was all excited. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, mum, whatever. <laughs> yeah,
2: she's our on one again.
0: <laughs> My youngest does want to go to Brazil so she can see the pink dolphins. Um, so she is quite excited about seeing pink dolphins, but uh, your regular bog standard grey ones, yeah, not so fussed. I'm, I'm pen sure pen.
2: I heard something this week about orange lobsters. Ooh,
0: aren't
2: Apparently- you? I think two orange lobsters appeared in a fish market somewhere, in one of these live fish markets, and somebody realised that they're actually an endangered species. So they rescued rescued them before they Oh, they were still
1: alive. Oh, good.
2: Yeah. Bless them. But I didn't realise you could get lobsters in various colours, or or (laughs) dolphins for that matter. So you learn things every
0: time you come onto the Northern Guide. Every day's a school day. Absolutely. Kath, shall we introduce this week's guest interview? Yes, I've had the great
2: privilege to talk to Jeff Miller, who's the Dean of St Nicholas Cathedral in Newcastle. We'll cover two distinct areas, I think, regarding happiness in very different ways. Uh, one is partly about the work of the cathedral itself and his interpretations of happiness, and the other one is the fantastic restoration that's been going on and is heading towards completion. So. I thoroughly enjoyed doing this one. So, here's Jeff. Hello Jeff, and welcome to the Northern Guide to Happiness. Hello. You're our, you're our latest wonderful interviewee. And it's been so exciting to have a chat with you in the last few days about your work and what you're involved with at the moment. So I think we'll, uh, the listeners are in for a treat, really. I think to hear some so. of your stories. <laughs> um, so first of all, would you like to introduce yourself formally to us?
3: Yeah, that would be a pleasure. My name's Jeff Miller, uh, and I'm uh, I'm the Dean at Newcastle Cathedral. Uh, really, uh, my title is the Dean of Newcastle, not of Newcastle Cathedral. Uh, Because it means the Dean of the Diocese of Newcastle, which is much bigger than the Cathedral. The Dean's responsibility is to look after the Cathedral and make it serve the whole Diocese, which goes from the Tyne right up to Berwick the Tweed, and across over just past uh, Holtwistle and uh, into almost Carlisle. But most of my work, to be fair, is focused around making the Cathedral work, really. So
2: the actual mechanics of how everything happens and at the
3: right time on the right day, and everything about it comes into my lot, as well as I'd have some jobs outside of the cathedral as part of what the the dean of a diocese is traditionally the the senior priest in the diocese. So supposedly. Uh, hope not supposedly but at, at the bishop's uh, at the bishop's confidant and at their, their right hand to help help put work in the whole diocese so i i do chair some of the things for instance um i'm on, I'm on the street zero for home which works with homelessness I'm kind of uh what else do i do i, I chair the interfaith group and uh, of the diocese which works with with the council of faith i'm a Director of the council affair. So I've got various things outside, but ninety percent of my time is in the cathedral. Tell me
2: a little bit about Street Zero.
3: Well, Street Zero is a, is a is part of the Newcastle Homelessness Commission, which is a broad kind of coalition of people all wanting to uh, to get rid of homelessness from the streets of Newcastle. And by get rid, we mean uh, getting people to find a more better purpose better possibilities in life not 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 uh, passing them on to somewhere else but rather rather kind of being with them in their in their struggles
2: how is that going because through covid a lot of homeless people were taken into various locations weren't
3: they in a strange way covid hasn't hasn't helped the issue of homelessness but it but it certainly has it been an impetus to sorting some bits out so um from various fronts but government local authority and and or the voluntary sector have worked hard together to make sure we um we, we kind of kind of a more seamless approach and so they've reduced homelessness or rough sleeping really would, would be a better word by um by by considerable amounts there are very few people who are rough sleeping but of course that's always hard to gauge but that we have groups that go out to in the middle of the night, early in the morning, to see who's rough sleeping and see if they can offer them some support or help. So, so it's quite a lot of work going on there. But it's not about soup kitchens, and uh, and there is some of that. But but that's not the key focus. The key focus is getting people back to life with a bit more purpose and help, and in, into a home of their own rather than rather than kind of um, choosing to sleep rough or being forced to sleep rough. Do you find that a satisfying role to have? Uh, it's, it connects with the cathedral quite a lot because uh, cathedrals open all day normally and that, that means there are attractions for, for people who are cold or wet or, or, or need, need somewhere just to get a cup of tea and things. So we do have a steady stream of people uh, most days and that really was the impetus for some of us to, to want to be involved because we didn't want to, um, to add to the problem but we we wanted to be a bit more intelligent about how we might help. So uh, part of the issue is there are probably enough beds spare in hostels and flats and homes for all the people who are sleeping rough. so but we, but it's it's getting them together. It's making sure it's the right person in the right place and and they've got other supports because some people will choose to sleep rough uh, because that's where they get their camaraderie or they get other supports that are not provided. Uh, on a flat in an estate out of the city where they feel lonely and or where they're bullied by by someone or whatever that might be it's complicated usually.
2: It sounds as though you've got a lot of strands to your career portfolio as it were but if if I walked past the cathedral at the moment all I would see mainly is scaffolding and porter cabins, and I believe that there's something going on behind the behind the <laughs> scenes there isn't there so would you like to tell me a little bit about that and what your role is in that
3: yeah you're dead right Kath it's uh <laughs> it, it, even I'm not allowed in the cathedral except by appointment at the moment which is a bit strange isn't it really but
2: seriously
3: seriously because it's a, it's a building site really and uh, so it's not safe so I have to wear my hard hat and my high-vis jacket and make sure that I'm signed in and things we're In the middle of, or more to the point, I hope, we're quite nearing the end of um, the single largest refurbishment of the cathedral since 1787. That was the last time. We've had works done since, as you'd expect, um, but nothing like what we're having now, which is six million pounds worth of refurbishment. Um, And it's been an absolutely massive job and it's on its way to being finished, I hope. They tell me it'll be finished quite soon. So we've got a planned opening in at the end of July. Um, so it's it really is getting to the to the end of the time. But when you go you think, how on earth will they get this ready for the end of July? But they tell me that's how it is in building works. They um that they the the last bits are quicker than all the other bits, but because they've been they've done all the foundational work and the, the dirty work, as you might say, and now they're into because uh, cos- it's not cosmetic, but you know what I mean, the, the top bits which make it look good.
2: So you've had the joyous task of spending six million pounds.
3: I, I have, yeah, I've written checks for things <laughs> that I've never, I could never imagine <laughs> that we do. So it's a hyacinth uh, to add that uh, none of it comes my way in any sense whatsoever. But it, um, <laughs> and it's uh, it, it's mainly, um, f- well, four point two millions from the lottery, the National Heritage Lottery. It's for heritage. Uh, and it's really a hope or the dream is uh, that what we've added to it, nearly two million extra we've funded in order to put the cathedral into a good position for sustainability in the future, really. It was a cathedral that's always been under the shadow of other buildings, other cathedrals and never really taken its place properly, I don't think. But also it needed a lot of work doing on it. And, and the longer you leave that, the more that work gets, uh, gets grows and gets really the building in a a bad state so uh, it will look spectacular uh, and that makes me happy
2: how much work or what type of work have have you had done
3: well the focus of the heritage bit was uh, something called ledger stones we've got 153 ledger stones they like grave slabs which the uh, in the 16th 17th century they placed over the top of Tombs and bodies, and then wrote information on about who was there, Led- hence, ledger as we think of, but also ledger from the Anglo Saxon to lay. Uh, and they weigh up to two ton each, that's the weight of a car. They're beautifully adorned, and they've been completely ignored for a long time and ruined. So they were moved around in 1775 to 1780, whenever it was that they finished the last. Uh, Those things. Some were some are sold, others were sold, just got rid of. They're under the floor in Mosley Street shops and various for rubble. But the ones that are there, we decided need to be uh, needed to be um, looked after better. But that gave us the opportunity to take them up, move them into a better display areas, and relay the floor with underfloor heating. Uh, make a new visitor centre, new a, a new area that will uh, that will be able to serve. Uh, for um for volunteers and then on top of that have an, a new interpretation scheme because the ledger stones then have no interest whatsoever just to see a big stone but when you what we've done is we've researched 153 people and we know everything about them <laughs> and all these quirky stories and they're they're our history people of newcastle's history they're the people who made newcastle what it was they're not all nice and they're not all good and we've not been able to, but, but we thought we, we want to tell their stories. Uh, so that's, that's part of what we're doing in, in reinterpreting things, uh, is, is actually telling the stories of people. And our dream is that the cathedral will be a place where you don't just come and visit, but you meet a local person who says hello and talks to you. And you meet loads of the local people and their stories from pretty horrible people, to really wonderful people, and they, there's a whole mix in between. So we've we've not shied away from telling the uh, telling the more uh, difficult stories. Equally so, we've had to do a, a lot of dodging because they're all the rich and the good, not and not so good. I have to say, and they're all men. <laughs> so so we so we've decided in the stories we tell, we will um, we, we've we've dodged a bit around. So we, for instance, uh, I'm trying to think of a, an obvious one. Dame Jane Clavering um who, who was one of the real founders of Newcastle she's only mentioned I think on on the st- on the stone after her husband so you get the husband and then it says and jane his wife and by the way <laughs> by the way jane yeah? what we what we found is that jane ran uh, all the pits of Newcastle nearly 30 pits for over 30 years after the death of her husband she invented the pathways and the uh, and the railway lines that that pulled the wagons along uh, and ran it like a business in it really very well so we're telling her story not his <laughs> Which, and we've got a few like that. We've got Vickers who nicked money. We've got tobacconists who, who, from the side, who kept explosives in the basement and it blew up, and then ended up with some of his workforce uh, on the top of the roof roof of the cathedral. We've got Mr. Bover, who was um, I don't you know Mr. Bover, I, I think he should be called Bover, really, but he was one of the press gang captains of Newcastle, feared by everybody. But there's a nice stone team in the cathedral saying how much people admired him. I don't know that they did, but nevertheless, there are folk songs about how people went to the big market, which has always been a drunken place, by the way. We went to the big market for a, a drink and um, their husbands on a Friday night or pay night and never came home, of course, because Bova and his men had press ganged them. So so we've got loads of those stories to tell as well, which um, there's just thousands of these stories and they're really good. And we've, we've had people who Can talk to you as if they really knew these people personally. It's really, it's really quite super, really. So,
2: how are you? How are you going to um, make those available to the to the public, to visitors?
3: Yeah. So, what we've done is we've um, we've cleared we've cleared them and tried to relay them back to where they were pre seventeen seventy five. In seventeen seventy five, they just picked them all up and moved them around. But we've tried to research with the archaeologists where they were prior to that, and we're trying to put them back almost to where they were. We can't be exact. And then um, those that are at the side, we've got a, a light a light system that will light up the various ones of them. And then with a touch screen, and, and the, on the touch screen you can light it up and it will then tell you about the person that, who's mentioned there. And we've got a, a, a sound, a sound, an audio thing, which some of us have, we've had no professional actors, but but some of us have got together and we do, we've do. we collected some little snippet stories. So three times a day, uh, the sound will come on and you get... A th- six or seven stories of, 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 of people who, are, who are, as the light goes on their, their stone, it, it's just a bit of a dance around and to attract you. And then it, it lands on a stone and then you hear Richard Stowe, or you hear Nathaniel Bales or you hear Jane Clavering tell, tell a little bit of their story, just a tiny little bit, uh, usually a kind of scene, as you might say. And, uh, and that lasts just six, seven minutes altogether. So it's not long, but it's to give people a kind of um, taster and then there's, there's a lot that they can follow up on after that, really. Yeah.
2: Have you enjoyed that side of the work?
3: That's been really exciting because I think what we found and what I, I realise clicks with me or resonates, it resonates with perhaps is a more uh, professional word, is that it's the people that make the place that's what we've done there's a wonderful story by robert carver about cathedrals robert carver's a short st- st- storyteller in in america uh, and he wrote this pet story called cathedral where in it um a blind man and a man who can see a, a talking as a television program comes on which is about cathedrals in europe and the blind man says what what are cathedrals like tell me so he tries to explain what a cathedral is, big, spires, buttresses, lovely stones, very old. And the man says, well, draw it on my hand with your finger because then I'll see it. So he puts his hand on his on, on the finger and he tries to draw it. And the man says, I think I, think I can see what, you've got, what, what it is now. He said, but there's something missing. So uh, the seeing man says, what's missing? And he said, well, you've not drawn any people. Hasn't a cathedral got to have people? <laughs> uh, and I think that story sums up for me <laughs> exactly what we're about, really. It's no good having this museum of, of kind of stones if we don't celebrate the people who are in it and the whole diversity of them all, which is great fun, uh, and, and, and think they're our folk. In them is our gene pool. In them is, is Newcastle, really. It's, it's written in every stone and every person that's been through and that's what makes the cathedral exciting not it is beautiful and i love it but it's what makes it exciting is 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 the, is the fact that it's a, it's a testimony i i say we're not a shrine you see we're not a cathedral like durham and uh, those others which have got kind of pristine lawns all around and and they're on a hill and and they you know and they uh, have a shrine to a saint usually in them and i say well we don't have any of those we're slapmang on a roundabout, really, right in the middle of the city, as you probably know, next to the high bridge. But um, what's what high level bridge? But what what we um, what we have got is real treasure, and the real treasure is the people's stories. Uh, so we we are we're a treasure chest in that way, and and our job is to open it up really for people.
2: That's a fabulous way to describe it.
3: Which which is actually what shrine means.
2: Really,
3: a container for treasure for precious things. So I think we are a shrine, <laughs> but not to not to some remote saint, but to the people of, of Newcastle. Good, bad, ugly, happy, <laughs> the whole lot of us really.
2: Now that we're on the subject of words and definitions, uh, we are the Northern Guide to Happiness mm-hmm. and
3: I thought you were going to teach me how to be happy. That's what I was coming to this conversation af- for.
2: I'm, I'm afraid not worth very, very, very much. That yeah. we, we soak it up from the expert,
3: All Oh, right. yeah. Okay. Well, that was a- <laughs> and, and
2: I'm sorry to let you down. Though. It's,
3: it's okay. You,
2: you, you can get your money back at the end. Yeah,
3: that's right. Yeah, it sounds good to me. We've
2: done, we've done several of these interviews and people have told us as individuals what, they, what their interpretation of happiness is or how it, or how it feels to them. But um, I'd like to ask you, bearing in mind your 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 profession and background and knowledge base, what would you give as the definition of happiness?
3: For me, the word happiness, in Greek—not that I speak Greek or I know it that well—but to be honest, but the word is is makaria makarios. Now, those of people who are my age—that means getting older. We'll remember uh, Archbishop Macarius. You probably remember him, who was the Archbishop in Cyprus, because Cyprus was known as Macarius Island, Happy Island. That's literally what it means. So, the the word in Greek, "happy," is Macarius. In the Bible, if you forgive me for quoting Bible at like you, it's translated often as blessed or blessed. Uh, and we still use it in that way, don't we? Oh, he's blessed him, he, blessed with this, blessed with that, blessed with children, blessed with money, blessed with whatever. Uh, and that, that's the direct use of the word happiness. And it comes to its great kind of moment in, this, in the Bible, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 5, with 12 statements that Jesus used called the Beatitudes. The word Beatitude means blessed. So you could easily and rightly translate them all as happy Blessed are the meek, blessed are the peacemaker, blessed are those who mourn, translates literally as happy. Happy are those who are humble, happy are the poor. And the remarkable thing about those pithy statements from, from Jesus is they turn upside down the way we'd normally think of happiness because it's not happy are those who've got lots or those, who, those whose life is easy or those... Are... So it's not the bounty hunters or the, you know, bounty bar searchers who've found happiness on a beach in, the, in wherever it is. Instead, it's uh, happy are those whose lives have got a new and fresh purpose. Happy are those whose lives are full of gratitude for what they've got, I think. Because hidden in it is this notion of thanks you know, I'm grateful for this. Does that some help?
2: That sparks my mind off in several different directions, but one of them is actually considering that in 2021, mm-hmm. after the year that we've lived through, um, where everybody's certainties have been turned upside down, yeah, and people who've never thought it was nice to have a garden have suddenly realised yeah. that actually. Exactly right. is a
3: very special place. Yeah. And you can see a whole groups of words coming together, can't you? Like delight enjoy. Uh, and joy. Where and would, where would we have got delight from? We certainly didn't get delight from, from the terrible things that COVID's done. But massive delight from seeing all those, what some people call random acts of kindness. Those moments of kindness that you wouldn't have expected. And you think, wow, that's, that's happiness. That makes me happy to see human beings... My, my fellow citizens, my, my people caring for each other in ways that I never expected, that were never possible. So I think it approaches it in a different way.
2: In my area the vaccination centre is peopled by volunteers mm-hmm. and they stepped forward at the very beginning when the, vac- the vaccine had been developed and, and mm-hmm. the programme was being rolled out. And th- they took a deliberate action to come into a setting where people they've never met before got mm. no obligation to at all and gave up all their time mm-hmm. to, to support them and created this amazing environment, yep. uh, a, a happy place. <laughs> and they, they did say that the people that they've got the most joy from were in the first cohort, the very, very elderly, yeah. who were so so delighted to be there to, to benefit from the vaccination, but also to show their support for everything that they were doing. Yeah, and uh, they said it was so humbling for them to do that. And,
3: it, and that kind of happiness is is as is as infectious as blooming COVID, isn't it? Really, <laughs> yeah. you know. You think <laughs> if only we could keep that going. We don't. We don't need a vaccination against it, but uh, but I think this. And, and for me. Even the vaccination itself—I mean, uh, it's almost like liquid hope, isn't it? it kind of—it's it, it, kind of—you know—you see in this tiny file that, it, that there is happiness for some people because it gives them—not not for everybody, because happiness at its best doesn't—I think—doesn't deny the the difficulties we face. It you can't—it's not like taking a valium and it makes you feel good and you, you you've ignored what's what's really there. I think happiness is finding some kind of meaning and hope and and purpose in in the middle of all that that for me is is where it really becomes uh, real happiness
2: linking this into the cathedral mm. there are several words that you hear very regularly now and one of them is mindfulness yeah and i believe the cathedral has incorporated some particular features outside of the building for vi- for visitors to think about as they
3: walking around yeah well about well two and a half years ago i had a premonition you'd invite me to do a talk on happiness here with you (laughs) (laughs) if only that was true if only that was true no no (laughs) (laughs) but we um we wondered how we could uh transform the outside of the key as well as the inside so uh, because we wanted to say the cathedral has got we've got to kind of open it in as many ways as possible so we've we're relaying all the churchyards at the side and creating a lovely new plaza at the back which can be used for concerts and and as well as coffee and and, and drinks and things it's, it's lovely but um we wanted to punch it in a different way and we thought people come and sit here or we hope that even more will to uh, have their sandwiches at lunchtime and, and a cup of coffee and things like that so we uh, how can we make it both a delight to sit in, but also um, also a place to ponder, really, and just stop for a minute in the busy day? And this Beatitudes became an idea for us. So we've made or written uh, 10 Beatitudes for Newcastle, which are all round the outside of the cathedral, and you can follow them all, or you can just go to an odd one if you want. And they all look out from the cathedral to something that you can see, and then invite you to um, a to enter into some kind of gratitude, happiness moment to to to, to acknowledge uh, something good. And also a mindfulness moment, so a kind of moment that um, that might make you think a bit more about your life, and uh, just just quickly. And it's not they're not deeply religious. Uh, in fact, you don't have to believe in anything to read them. But for me, they give me some. All oh, right, well, I've, I've got I've got some here. So um, let let me look at ones that that it might be interesting. Uh, I'm, I've got so many that I don't know where to start really. So this this one is at Amen Corner. You might know Amen Corner. Amen Corner is uh, just just on the the side near the cathedral. And we think it gets its name, Amen, because there used to be very famous religious processions. They were riotous processions, I have to tell you, in the medieval times for Corpus Christi. And that's where they finished. So that's where the Amen was. So, uh, and and so... (laughs) Now it's now it's offices and various other things. You can see, uh, in fact, there's, there's a medieval write up of Newcastle's Corpus Christi uh, procession where all the rich and the famous were being pelted with um, tomatoes and various things by the riffraff. And, uh, and it, was, it, it they had to call in riot police or riot army to, to sort it out. So you can see it wasn't a kind of, um, it wasn't a highly religious kind of <laughs> occasion. But they were used for the more serious. So, so when you get to see Amen, Amen Corner, it's got this as the, as the beatitude. It says, blessed is the Amen For it marks the ending, but creates fresh spaces for beginnings. And then in the middle it says, Over many centuries, and still today, Christians, Jews and Muslims of our city have used Amen for an end to their prayers. Here at Amen Corner, is there a new direction that you would like to take? And what would inspire you to take it? So... Does that make a bit of sense about how it feels? But they're just little moments like that, and I think they're really smashing. I think I can see that.
2: Take me on a little bit of a tour around in other directions.
3: Yeah, we we really hit a problem when we got to the um, got to the back alley because it's a back alley which isn't very nice, really. <laughs> so we thought, what on earth will we do there? So this this is what we put for that. Blessed are the back alleys, for they remind us of those tasks and people whose, whose value remains hidden. This lane has been a thoroughfare of the city for many years and for many people. Can you imagine who might have walked here in the past? Where might they have been going? <laughs> so that, so you can, and, and then there's one of my favourite ones, is because around the cathedral is, um, is a, quite a place for what I call revellers, if you go out to the clubs on a night, it's 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 a gathering place, and it's for some unsavory activities. Not least a lack of toilet Sometimes it's it's used round there. Uh, but also at the front of the cathedral on the apron is the uh, St John's Ambulance booze bus, which kind of uh, which helps people who, who have hurt themselves and are drunk.
2: Oh yes, and they've lost their and,
3: shoes. That's right, and a safe haven. For those people who are completely lost. So you can drop them off with the police. And, and they'll at least give them somewhere safe to be. So that's really good for the cathedral to be there like that. Um, but this one's about revelers. So it says. Blessed are the revelers. The storytellers. The riddlers. For with them is the delight of recreation. Be- being recreated differently. It says. And. It's just under the vampire rabbit. Do you know the vampire rabbit? It's a, it's a rabbit at the back on, on one of the buildings at the back. Uh, and it says, the vampire rabbit's been here since 1901. Many stories exist, but no one knows its true meaning. Think about your funny stories. Take a moment of silence and share them with someone else. <laughs> so you can see they're just, they're fun moments, but they're, they're meant to punch her print your life and just give us a chance to say actually we go about our business every day but there's a deeper things in us all of us purpose meaning connections others that make us who we really are and bring out the humanity in all of us and it's sometimes just great if we can stop for a moment and remember them and they begin with a moment of gratitude really happiness happy be them really Uh, and i'm glad for them to be there and i'm glad that they're part of my city
2: so in a, in a few months' time, I'll be able to come out of my office in Newcastle, if if there are such things as offices in Newcastle, um, <laughs> right. and bring my, bring my sandwiches down or, or buy a cup of coffee and then look at all these wonderful things. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you would be able to do that. We might even be able to sell you a cup of coffee because we, we're opening a cafe. Now, opening a cafe in town is a, is a disaster sometimes because there's so many cafes. But ours, as you would expect, is a bit different and it it makes me happy too because it's part of a a, a kind of partnership we've entered into with the Oswin Project and it's uh, the Oswin Project began at Northumberland Prison and it trains ex-offenders ex-offen- trains in a bakery and a cafe and they're going to open their satellite cafe in the cathedral where they can carry on doing training and support uh, ex-offenders and others as they try and settle back into the community so you're not just buying a coffee but you're helping folk uh, find a new purpose in life so that that gives me a great choice so we'll provide you with the place we'll provide you with the uh, coffee and we'll provide you with a some sunshine, probably, if you ask me nicely. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> Sounds
2: as though you've made, you may have had them beforehand, but wonderful partnerships. So, the, yeah. this, this in integration with the city.
3: For me, uh, working in partnership with others is, is crucial at every level uh, because uh, I think, as, as a Christian and as a Christian priest, I have a, a vision for society which is about good news, which is about a society that treasures each other and cherishes the other and makes a good place for us all to live. But I also know that 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 dream of mine, I, I don't have a monopoly on that dream and neither do Christians. We share it with lots of people, some who have faith and some who have no faith, but they still share this dream of a better place, a better way of living that we could all have. And the only way therefore we can do that is not to compete with each other, but is actually to become more than the sum of our parts. So partnership working is at the heart of all we do. Uh, and we've created some really, I've uh, been part of uh, some wonderful partnerships with the castle and the heritage sites. We, we're trying to work more with the local business community and with the voluntary sector. So we, we're kind of hoping that we, um, we won't solve these, the problems of our world and neither should we think we will. But together with others, we might have our little bit, add a little bit to that, really. I think that's the crucial bit. And we do that, us Christians, out of a vision of society that comes from a God who who loves his people and wants to see them love each other, really. God is love. Those who love God live in God and God lives in them. You can't get more clear a statement uh, from the scriptures than that, really, that it's actually when we love each other and love's practical it's a verb in this case it's not it's not a kind of it's it's not a nice ephemeral word that you might think of it's actually what you do <laughs> uh, and um it's when we when we can learn to love each other even when we differ in all kinds of ways that we've got the chance of making that that society that we that we'd hope so i think that does fit in this notion of happiness because i can't be happy if you're not happy <laughs> There's a sense in which happiness is, is, is about being interrelated with everything. And so as long as people are hurting and hungry, as long as people are, you know, are, are kind of not being treated properly, how can any of us ever find happiness? Yeah, we might have a good time. And if you, you know, after my Friday night gin and tonic, I might feel better about the world. But it, 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 the real world will impinge and tell me, actually, your job, Jeff, is to, to be part of a possibility, that we all could share of where happiness is uh, is owned by us all, not by any individual.
2: That's a wonderful way to look forward into a future. I have a feeling that your day job and your personal life are largely intertwined because you, you're you're living out of vocation, but you must have downtime and, and I'm interested to know what makes you happy outside yeah. of office hours. <laughs> but, I think for every
3: I think everybody's living out of vocation of some kind. If by vocation it means becoming the best person we can be, doing doing who we are. I think for me it's been the privilege of of being a priest uh, mean, means that that coincides easily with, with with who i am sometimes but it's a mistake to think priests just enjoy doing what they want to do it's you know in a sense there are routine things you have to do and letters to write and forms to fill in and, <laughs> or, and meetings to chair which which are not things i would choose to do if I, uh, I think my own personal life though is is i suppose like many people my family are, kind of crucial to that really so having a wife who is totally unlike me <laughs> I, i'm the extrovert come big ideas and she's a she's an introvert who likes the privacy of her home and uh, for her i was just saying this the other day for, for for elaine the uh a really good day would be when she when she or I probably when I'm doing the ironing and she's doing some cooking and we're in the kitchen together and uh, we're just together that that for her would for me I want to be out doing things she, she she like she loves that contentment of a kind of uh a homely scene especially if I'm ironing uh she she hates ironing <laughs> but um but um they're, they are good moments when you look back, aren't they? When, when you've been that. And I think, like other people, we only have one child, a son, who's uh, just is fin- he's at university doing his second degree now, uh, which, which doesn't make me happy every time I have to pay the bill at the end of every month. But <laughs> nevertheless, it, just to see him become a, become a man and uh, grow up has been a huge joy. So, 20, 22 years ago, uh, when he was just three, I when he was actually less than that, when he was two. I, I had a heart attack, and then I had a year of two heart bypass operations, one following the other, and the second one was pretty hairy as to whether they could, uh, whether they could do something about the, what, what seemed to be the problem. And there's this little boy uh, uh, sat on the bed in the hospital, and my wife kind of an, and I thought, please don't don't let it be over for me now. But there comes with that a quite huge joy of everything uh, everything that happens around him. Uh, we have to watch we don't smother him. We don't, by the way, because he's he's away at university with his girlfriend and everything else. But but when, when he comes home, it's, it's, it's fantastic to be with him. And I think, for me, it's been fantastic uh, to watch him become who he wants to be and I think what a privilege that is really I, I had this I don't know other people have this as parents but I used to think when he was a child will I like him when he grows up <laughs> will, he, will you know will he will kind he, of will he, will like he like aspire <laughs> and will he like me yeah and will, will he will he aspire kind of views that I hate or, or find difficult to be with so you you you, know, you you can only do so much, can't you? As the old Jesuits used to say, "Give me the boy until he's seven, and I'll give you the man." And um, now watching him come home and talk politics and talk kindliness and and what he thinks about life and how it should be, from a totally different angle to me, because he doesn't share uh, church and faith in the way that I would, you know. But he, but he's come in a different way to, to very similar kind of conclusions and. I think watching your own son be compassionate and kind and care is, uh, and have views about a good society and how he might work in that is, it just makes me immensely happy. And I, for a moment, thought I might never see any of that, really. So, so that's been a great choice. So it's constant. Um, just, I don't always go around smiling, by the way. I'm kind of... Uh, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can have real down moments, ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: if you were offered a day off tomorrow, a complete 12 hours of not, no meetings, no, no sermons to write, no, nothing, yeah. what, what would be your ideal contented day?
3: The contented day would be a walk in countryside, probably the lakes or on the coast. My favourite walk would be uh, Craster to, to, to or and a stop at the Ship Inn for a nice pint of real ale. With Philip as well and his girlfriend and, and my good lady uh, and uh, and one of the old dogs that we used to have that isn't with us now. That would be a contented day, uh, sun shining and just enough, and finishing the day tired with a nice, a nice cooked meal, I and cooking it myself as well a bit. You yeah, know, we enjoy cooking together when it, we get the chance. That's a real nice, a nice treat really. But then, uh, so that's good.
2: There's a simplicity to all of that, isn't there? that is echoed in in a lot of the of the stories we've
3: heard i think i think it's it's a real a realistic simplicity because uh yeah I, th- I think it is simple but it's um about the the moment taking the moment for what it is and and treasuring that really i think uh, and for me that's where faith comes in because I, I can't cope with syrupy faith that doesn't isn't practical and real i can it doesn't work for me um so I can't uh, but but I can see I have a lovely favorite story about uh, someone who, who a young lad who became a christian whose mates at work in the garage way were said to him you can't possibly believe in those silly miracles and things i mean that jesus would walk on water and change change a wine into water i mean you, you can't believe that rubbish and he said well i haven't been a, a christian for very long so i don't really know but um What I do know is that in the time that I've known God and acknowledged that, he's changed beer money into food on our table and he's changed betting slips into furniture in our house. And that for me is what real happiness is. It's about real practical understanding and how faith for me in this loving God can change my life and give it a purpose. Uh, both privately and you know when I'm just with my family but publicly as well and think well uh, yeah this life is worth living it's exciting it's possible and even amid the without denying the horrors of some of it I I can do a little bit just a little bit Jeff that might just it might just be worth a legacy.
2: And is Newcastle a good place to be happy?
3: I'm not a Geordie uh, I married a Jordy Well, my wife's from the other side of the river to Newcastle, from Jara. So, um, but notice I did say Jara. Uh, when when I was uh, when I was with her earlier on, and her dad used to try and teach me to say Hoya hawa <laughs> Uh and he made me give up. He said I was hopeless at it. So, so I kind of, I I said, well, if they will speak Japanese here, no wonder I kind of have to go. anyway but um but so I'm not a Georgie, but I've found Newcastle to be a wonderful city to be in it's just about the right size for me it's got everything uh, in its surrounds from a lake at Kielder to the hills at Simonside to the coastal the coastal walks and uh, as well as a city to be in with all its culture I can't think how much more you could need really uh, to make life good I'm a city lad grew up in Manchester live the city really, but I like like Tony Hancock to be able to get out to the to the country whenever I feel like it <laughs> i don't think I could ever live in the country but I like to be able to to get out so um so I can get as much pleasure from walking grey Street in the and the shopping areas and just seeing people and, and exploring them than I can from from going on that lovely walk in the uh, in, in the in the countryside but for me it gives me a buzz the whole place, and it's big enough to do that, but not small, uh, not small, not to be occasionally anonymous and occasionally just an observer in this wonderful world.
2: Oh, I think that's, that's been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um, so I'm going to say thank you very much.
3: My pleasure, my pleasure.:
2: We wish you, we wish you all the very best with the cathedral. Completion. Mm-hmm. I will certainly be down to see all of it because it's a hidden gem. It'd
3: be my pleasure, Kat to, to, um, to get a cup of coffee from that cafe and then have, take take you around and 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 show you my favourite bits. And there's quite a lot of them. So put a, put a good time in the in the diary.
2: Jeff's interview, what did everyone think?
1: Well, it it was real food for thought, um, particularly when he was talking about um, notions of happiness and where it comes from. Um, And he was talking about the Greek language and how it's mentioned in the Bible and words like blessing and so on. Um, But the thing that really struck me was when he was talking about happiness, a lot of it was to do with like a reversal of expectations. So it's not about um, kind of wealth or fortune or good luck or anything, actually, the things that he was talking about were, you know, much, I don't know, quieter, gentler. Um, That really struck me, particularly when he was talking about, you know, the cathedral, and we kind of think, you think of a cathedral as a big old building. Um, And we have a very nice one, well, we have two very nice ones actually in, in, in Newcastle. But he was saying, you know, it's not the stones, it's the people um they're involved in it so the the stories that they've been collecting and trying to get across but just the fact that that that's where you go to encounter people and it's it 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 sounds like this restoration is is really geared towards providing a space for that coming together you know of you know people now and people from the past and all kind of mixing it up and i i think i think it's going to be really good i think it's going to be a really good thing to help people to to feel happy about the place that they live
0: i i love those moments of gratitude that he talked about and how they kind of, yeah. He was, when he was talking about the back alleys, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how can we kind of, yes, think about gratitude around uh, an area that's perhaps not quite as uh, pleasant as, as other parts of the city, <laughs> but they kind of, yeah. Took, took the viewpoint of looking at hidden, you know, hid, people's hidden values. Yep. um And where are people going? That idea of, of journeying, um, and, and traveling, so I thought that was really clever, actually. Um, and the uh, and idea also, of
1: the... sorry, sorry, Alex. Also the fact that the interview started off by talking about um, people experiencing homelessness um, mm. and, and rough sleeping, um, and the way that he talked about that as a as an issue was very, very humanitarian, um, and you know, trying to reflect on kind of where these pe- people are—people that find themselves on the street um, are in these difficult situations and, and, you know, working, working towards empathy rather than trying to fix a problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of linked to that as well, he, t- towards the end of the interview, he was talking about, um, you know, if, if we all dream of a better way of living, I think was the words that he used, mm-hmm. that's something for everyone and that we shouldn't be competing against each other to, to achieve that. We should be working together. So I thought that was a really, um, interesting point of view and that happiness is interrelated yeah. um, if one person if, if some people are suffering then um, how can everyone else be happy uh, mm. you know we are you know the world is a you know an interlinked place so I thought yeah that was interesting
1: definitely
2: one of the things t- towards the very end when he was talking about family life in a way and then he just quietly slipped in that he'd had a, a near-death experience.
1: Yes. Whoa.
2: <laughs> Didn't see that coming. No. <laughs> to have that at the end of the interview when, when he'd been talking about all the other aspects of happiness and, and then to share that with his family life and the children and the fact that, that he'd almost not survived to see his son grow up was terribly mm. moving, I think. Yes. And
0: it, yeah. He, he sounded very happy. He, he had a great <laughs> did. laugh, didn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you could, you could hear the happiness in his voice. He sounded very, yeah, upbeat and, uh, pleased to be there talking to you, Kath. So, uh, it was like yeah, a bell ringing. You. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm thank you, Kath. definitely going to be hoofing it down to the cathedral to, to have a look and, uh, have a, have a coffee and, and read some of the ledger stones and. Uh, Oh and yeah. The the, the circuits uh, definitely. So
0: we, we should go down on mass, shouldn't we? The the whole team. Yeah, yeah. And uh, perhaps uh, go and check out where they've buried the uh, time capsule. Eh? Oh. That's oh. a good what? segue.
1: The, yes. What time capsule is this? You speak of Alex.
0: <laughs> so we've um, we were asked by the cathedral to put um, all of the Geordie Guide episodes. So the thirty-two episodes we did for the Geordie Guide. Into the time capsule, which they've just buried, I think, in the last couple of weeks earlier this month. So, um, yeah, that was a real privilege to be asked to kind of, yeah, go yeah. down in history as a, as a record of uh, what things were like living in Newcastle at this time. So uh, that was really exciting.
1: Worth, worth pointing out that those episodes are still available on our website. Absolutely. Yeah, they haven't disappeared yes. forever into the oh, earth. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. <laughs> we yeah.
0: haven't pressed delete, so that's it. That's all gone. No, still available on Podbean, Spotify, Google, <laughs> Podcasts, iTunes and all good podcast players. Uh, yes, but uh, yeah, thank you, Kath, for a great interview. And thank you, Jeff, as well, for your time. If you've been inspired by this podcast episode, then we would love to hear from you. We love hearing your stories and opinions on what happiness means to you. You can get in touch via email hello at the or you can find us on Twitter at North Happiness and Instagram and Facebook at Northern Happiness. We're really glad to be spreading joy and happiness around the North East through this podcast thanks to funding from the National Lottery Community Fund and the Newcastle COVID Fund. So thank you so much to our funders for their support. And I'm now gonna hand over to Chris. Mm. Chris, what have we got coming up next week?
1: Next week, uh, we have the pleasure to introduce you to Faye McCalman, uh, who is local music legend, musical innovator, soloist, uh, band member with, uh, or founding band member of Archipelago local jazz outfit um, and we had a great conversation where we talked about music and happiness and what music means to uh, our identities and what it means for communities and so on. So uh, you can tune in and hear me ask Faye questions like this. What is it about music that makes you happiest, do you think? And hear Faye give answers like this.
0: It's really hard to explain. Like I've, I remember the first time I heard a group of people playing music I was in school and I was about seven and I just felt like really taken somewhere else and it was really exciting and it was almost in a way that I couldn't describe and I still get that feeling now it's just like a different just really takes you out of the ordinary life <laughs> that you might be in and it's like oh wow like you can really sort of change everything about how you're feeling in a sort of second sometimes with music So we've reached the end of another episode. We hope you're enjoying listening to the Northern Guide to Happiness. Take care and see you all again next week for another episode. (laughs)